Hello and welcome everybody to the Sales Career Podcast. Today actually is a really, really exciting uh, episode for me because um, Thibaut is one of my mentors, I would call him, even though I've never called him that to his face. This is the first time. Um, but yeah, actually, I've been following you since day one. I started my, my sales career and um, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. So uh, welcome to the show, Thibaut. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tyron, and uh, really glad to be your mentor, even if it's the first time you're telling me that. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy you learned from me. Yeah, nice. So before we get started, uh, please tell us something that you wish you knew about sales before you started your career. So I think my the, fir the first thing, you know, I would have loved to know more, you know, when I started in sales is that Your job is not to really convince people to buy something, but really to align with their motivation and to guide them into their buying journey. So that's really what I wish I knew. I did like a lot of sales, a lot of different types of sales since I'm 15 years old. And for a long time, um, before I went into B2B sales, I was just trying to pitch and convince people. And so that's the first thing, the thing I, I, I wish people told me. And it's also something I wish people tell to uh, everyone. I know a lot of founders who are doing that and they're just like always trying to pitch their stuff. So that's what I wish I, I yeah. knew. That's a really good one already. Cool. Then uh, let's get started. And um, for those, if there's still someone out there, for those who don't know you, please introduce yourself. Yeah, so my name is Thibaut Suiris. I'm the CEO and founder of Sales Labs um, and also the co-founder of the Selling Advantage community, which you're a member of. Um, I'm from Switzerland and France, as you can hear with my accent. Uh, and basically, I live in Berlin, between Berlin and Mexico. And my job is to train and coach Texas people to lend more opportunities, to basically uh, lend more meetings, book more uh, book more meetings, do more opportunities and close uh, business faster. And so I do that through my company called Sales Labs, where I do training and coaching for salespeople, mostly online. I don't do much things uh, in person, but really online. And so that's what I'm doing. I have a podcast, which is called the B2B Sales Podcast you were on a few months ago. By the way, that was the most uh, listened to podcast in 2021. Congrats on that. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, I've got tons of different things. I'm an advisor for a company called, for, called Tolstoy. And um, yeah, I love motorcycling. I love traveling and being with my family. And uh, yeah, that's about me. I, I think if people are following you, and I, I bet almost everyone that will listen to this podcast has listened to yours before, um, I, I think you are really out there. And I think that's what you also uh, say in your podcast. It's... Um, People think they know you already be before they even meet you, right? And that was the same with me. I listened to your podcast. I, I saw some of your content around how to build a LinkedIn profile, really, when I started. And when we hopped on a first call, I think when you started the community, I was like, hey, I know this guy already, <laughs> even though you didn't know me. Yeah, it's actually something I get very often. And uh, you'll get it soon, you know, with your podcast. So keep keep doing that because that's a, that's a really nice feeling. Yeah, we'll see. Nice. Then um, when we want to, to look at your sales career so far, um, I would really like to um, talk a little bit about your early days when you started, um, because I think everyone knows you as the solopreneur and the coach, but I would like to know a little bit more about your career, actually. So can you take us with you to when you started your sales career? Sure. So basically, the first thing I sold was when I was 15 years old, I was selling like uh, airplane cleaning services. 
at a local airfield in uh, Lausanne in Switzerland. And so uh, that's that's when I started, you could say, sales. The real, let's say, first sales job I really had was in B2B sales in a company called Applause, which was a crowd testing company. And over there, I grew the French market from pretty much nothing to 2.5 million euro of recurring revenue over a two and a half year. And I was the first guy selling in, in France and then we were 10 when I left. So that's how I started in sales. And it was great, great learning for me. Uh, I was having a call with uh, my previous boss like yesterday on that. And it's really a place where I learned how to do outbound. Um, at the time, everyone was complaining that the company wasn't doing any marketing or they weren't, weren't doing it really right and not especially not in French. So I had to just go and knock on all doors I could. So it was really something uh, like a great learning and a great first kind of experience. It so was it really a, a door-to-door job? Would you call it like that? No, it's like it was like metaphorically like going door to door is uh, I was just like uh, selling crowd testing. So sending emails and uh, mm-hmm. getting people on the phone. So that, that was what I was doing. Oh, cool. Yeah, then then I got that wrong. Yeah, I think um, one thing that that comes to mind for me is when when I hear everything that you do is um, it, it seems like it came naturally to you to do sales. Somehow you are just that one person that does sales. But was there any any other plan where you said, okay, if I don't do sales and if I don't be a pro motorcycler, then what else would have would have been on your mind? So I never wanted to become a pro, a pro motorcycler or whatever. Um, I, the, the first kind of job I ever thought of doing was as every little boy, I wanted to be a private or a jet pilot, you know, like an army pilot. Uh, didn't happen. Uh, but very quickly, I, you know, I was just like, okay, anyway, I don't want to be in the army. Um, and then I wanted to become an ophthalmologist. So I wanted to uh, be a doctor. And uh, the main reason was because I knew a guy was a good friend of my father who used to play rugby and uh, he was super cool, super funny and he was an ophthalmologist. And at the time I thought the job, your job, the job you were making, like, you know, gave you a certain personality. So I thought if I was an ophthalmologist, I would be a funny guy like him. And very quickly, you know, I was talking to my parents and they say, Hey, Thibaut, I don't think you're going to be a doctor because you're not good at school and uh, you're way more someone who should be into finance or business or whatever. So yeah, my school grades were not good enough. So my parents were telling me there's not really a lot of chances you become, uh, you're going to become like a doctor. And uh, I remember I was actually watching a documentary. Um, it's a French documentary called Turbo, which is a documentary about cars. But they were doing a subject about Carlos Ghosn, who was the boss of Renault. Who actually was now, you know, it's been like last year or two years ago, he was in some kind of crazy controversy, but it was before that. And I was like, wow, that's super cool. I want to be a business guy. And very quickly, I just like knew I wanted to do business basically. So be a boss, be a CEO or managing teams and everything. And uh, very naturally, I went to a business school and everything. And sales is just something that kind of arrived as a natural thing, because if you want to do business, you have to sell stuff. And uh, I just really loved the idea of selling stuff and making money just by myself. Okay, cool. And that I think being in sales is uh, also very close to being a CEO because you are always the CEO of your own territory or your your accounts, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, when you're you're in sales, you're just uh, responsible for whatever happens to you. You have like a lot of choices. The cool thing compared to being a CEO or managing your own business is that you have to manage the top line only revenues and not all the rest. So it makes it a lot simpler. But in terms of independence, that's a very close 
uh, you're very close to being your own boss by being in sales. Mm. Okay. And um, how would you say did your your career develop in the early days when you started to join the software space? What were the, the steps you took? Did you start as an SDR and then went to account executive and all that typical career stuff? So I've never been an SDR. Uh, I started as a full cycle AE. So I was responsible for finding leads, prospecting, booking the meetings, uh, running the discovery call, closing the deal, closing the renewal, and very often basically making sure that the service was delivered. So I was doing everything. And it was a really cool learning because if I had started as an SDR, I think I would have been maybe a bit more frustrated because I love having a vast diversity of tasks. And you know it when you're in SDR, you have to focus on something. And when you really worked hard to book that meeting and you have to pass it over, it can be really challenging. So, uh, yeah, I started as a full cycle AE, but I knew and I discovered a lot the struggle of being, being an SDR. And before, you know, it was in 2015. It was not so long ago. It was seven years ago. It's crazy. Um, being an SDR, a BDR was not really like what it is right now, where everyone's talking about it on LinkedIn. There's like thought leaders all over the place. And it seems to be this really interesting topic. It was not really like that. You know, you, 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 we were transitioning to this model. It started coming from the US and being something very widespread, but now it's just all over the place. Yeah. I, I get that. I didn't even know that you never started as an SDR, but in full cycle, but it's like, then you even, I, I you know, I, I asked you today about the time management stuff. Now I know where you have that from, because doing full cycle is really challenging when you, when you have to look at your calendar and find time for prospecting, closing deals and all that other stuff, right? Yeah, it's super challenging. The thing is, um, you have to really have this structure. Sales people tend to be not super structured. So... For example, what you'll see is that if you're an SDR and you have a target of, I don't know, 12 uh, meetings to book per month, you're going to most likely spend all your day kind of like, you know, working on that, trying to prospect here and there. And if it's rather simple, you're going to be around these 12. If it's really challenging, you won't make it. But having all these kind of different things you have to take care of makes you really focused and it forces you to have this kind of time management. So when I was starting... I was really, and I'm still doing it right now. So I was always starting with my prospecting block. So I was done in two hours and then I could take care of the rest of the day, you know, as of 10 or 11, basically. Yeah, and how did it um, develop that you said, okay, um, sales is good and, and I really like this. But um, the, the question behind this is, I heard you say that you are unemployable by today or you were even back then. Um, so how did that develop? <laughs> so... You know, I started as a, as a, an employee, obviously. I, I gathered the skills I have right now uh, as an employee. And at the time, I was just very independent. And I've always been someone pretty independent. Um, but one thing that happened is that when I left Applause, I went to work for another company called Branch, which was really a cool company, or at least on paper. Um, and I thought, you know, it was like company from the Silicon Valley, like worth already a few billions, a very nice company to work for. And um, very quickly, I realized that I had left my job at Applause because I was tired of working for someone else. But I didn't re realize it when I left. I just thought, okay, the company is not really where I want to be. And I thought I would be able to transfer everything I knew from Applause to Branch and be super successful from the get-go. And uh, very quickly, I just realized that having a boss, if you don't have an excellent boss and your boss is not really that good, It's going to be really challenging. And so it started weighing on me like really hard. 
And uh, I realized really quickly that, okay, the problem is not, you know, the company or whatever the problem is that I'm too independent. And one thing, you know, I've experienced right now that I find so surprising is that the concept of asking for permission to go on holiday to your manager sounds completely crazy to me. So it's just like if you're in kindergarten and you're asking to go to the toilets, it feels exactly the same. And so for me, that's the kind of things where if I was to start in a job tomorrow, I would be fired in two hours because I would just like not listen to what people tell me. I would do whatever I want. I would, you know, arrive whenever I want to arrive and just like do my own stuff. So that's why I say I'm not an employable. I'm not really employable, but I'm also not able to be a manager or lead a team, for example. Because, you know, when you lead the team and you know it very well, you have to lead by example. And for me, I just don't care about setting an example into, a, you know, as a team. So I would just go and tell to people, you know, just I'm very comfortable with you working to make me rich while I'm enjoying, you know, the fruit of your work. So that's why I'm being honest to everyone here. You can't have me as an employee and you can't have me as a boss. You don't want to have any of this because I'm just so focused on my own stuff and what I want to do. That, uh, you know, that's why I'm a solopreneur. I just like love to do my business by myself and uh, I can't be employed because it's going to be very challenging and uh, conflicting to work with me. Oh, I get it. But how was it when you when you found out that, okay, being employed is nothing for me. I want to do something else. Um, can you describe the moment where you said, okay, I think solopreneur is the thing I want to do? So I didn't, you know, like solopreneur is something I kind of started, like it's a word that, that I kind of discovered like a few months ago. Um, it's the contraction of solo, like solo and entrepreneur. So you're just by yourself. Um, so the idea is when I was in that job at branch, I had like met a guy named Skip Miller, who's my mentor and partner. We have, you know, doing business together and, uh, He was doing sales training. He was just delivering a really cool show. So I really loved what he did. And I knew, okay, that's the kind of job I want to do. So when I started, I was more doing consulting slash training, doing pretty much fixing any problem people had in sales. It was very easy to find some uh, work over there. But one thing that was super interesting was that I started like that. And uh, I thought initially that I would just do some consulting and training and then build a, you know, build a, a big business because I came from the startup world where you grow super fast, you get funding. I didn't want to get funding, but I wanted to have like a big business. And quickly I realized that that's really not what I wanted to do. I even tried to hire an employee twice that failed the first time. And the second time it lasted one month and a half. And then I realized, okay, what I value is my time, my freedom. And that's when I kind of started becoming, you know, solopreneur and optimizing my business around that. That's when I discovered the business models that work around that, that we don't really see in the startup world where it's all about growth, capturing market shares as fast as we can and making VCs rich. Yeah, and that's something that I find pretty amazing that um, you came you came from this background, but you said, I, I don't want to be in this high growth environment. I just want to like make, make money, make enough that I can have a good living and have a lot of free time, if that's possible. So I've, I've known you for a while now and, and everything that I hear from you is like, I've been to Mexico, I've, I've been here, I've been there, I, I travel the world, I enjoy time. That brings me to my next question. Actually, um, I know that you are very successful in, in what you do and that somehow means to me that you have to be working a lot but how do you manage this career and then also being happy with your private life so uh can you 
I will, I'm going to answer the question by doing a, a real case study with you. What, what are the typical, typical tasks you are doing every day in your job? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so since I, I uh, switched roles recently and I'm now leading a team, I, I get up in the morning, I um, check, you know, what, what happened yesterday, was there something that I missed maybe, check my mails and everything. And then it's actually a lot of meetings during that time. So I try to mm-hmm. spend some time on coaching the team. I spend some time on developing our, yeah, let's say, go to market as far as I'm involved in that. Um, yeah, and, and still close some deals when I have time for that. Uh, yeah, that's actually okay. what I do. Re- remove all the meetings. How, ma- how many hours every day did you save? One-on-one, every kind of interaction with uh, someone. Mm-hmm. Pooh, good question. I would say six hours maybe, depending on the day, but something around that. Okay. So that's like, I don't know, 80%. Yes, let's say 60%. That's, that's the thing. So that's the thing is when you're working with a team, when you're working for a team, when you're working in a company, you deal with processes, you deal with stuff that are absolutely useless all the time. And I can see it with everyone is very consistent. It's between 50 and 60% of their time is spent in activities that are not going to drive like sales or, you know, like drive, like not going to directly contribute to your success in your job, which is maybe uh, closing business or, you know, doing these kind of things if you're an individual contributor. So the first thing is you realize when you work for yourself, all these things are disappearing. And for me, my motto is very simple. I'm never into a meeting I don't want to be. And if I'm in a meeting I don't want to be in, it's because I'm paid a shit ton of money for being in there. So you can just like, you know, get me for four hours in a meeting. And if you pay me minimum a thousand, thousand five hundred euro per hour, I'm going to listen to you complain and talk about whatever. I don't care. You give me money, so it's fine. And so uh, that's the thing is, is first of all, you understand the value of your time. And the thing is, you realize that with the tools we have, tools like Notion, for example, for productivity, like all the automation you can use, low-code tools like Zapier, uh, you know, with all the different things, you realize that you are able to do a lot that, you know, 10 years ago, you would have, you would have needed a team for that. So... I'll send you, you know, I can send you like a screen cap of my, of my uh, calendar. I do a lot of time blocks where from eight to nine, for example, I do my prospecting block. You can't book me at this time. And pretty much from nine to 11 every day, I got like a block for building my newsletter, writing my LinkedIn content, writing some Twitter content, like writing and basically doing all the things that make my process, my business run. I do everything before 1 p.m. So uh, that's that's the thing is I've identified a few things that are important for my business. So first one is how do I make sure that people hear about me on a regular basis? LinkedIn post, blog post, email, uh, podcast. So these four things I work on every day. And then uh, how do I make sure that the leads I collect are going into a meeting? So I've got like some automation for that. I do some outbound prospecting for that. And then how do I make sure that these conversations turn into business? So that's just like sales calls and sales presentations. And once this is done, I've got like highly automated uh, content delivery. So I've got like uh, training programs that are online, self-paced, where there's nothing I need to do because I've already built it once and then people watch it. And then if people want to actually go and book calls with me, they can book it, pay like for a coaching call. And uh, basically my price are really high, meaning that I don't have that much work. Because every time you spend one hour with me, it's super high value. 
but it's extremely expensive. So a lot of people just cannot afford that, but they can have the value through online content and these kind of things. So that's really what I've done is I have a brand, a kind of a personal brand that I've created. People know me for a bunch of things. They like my content and when they need it, they have all different options from the super cheap option or even the free option to the super expensive option, which is going to be more for corporate teams and uh, training a lot of people and building leverage in your company. Yeah, that's pretty pretty smart, I think, to have this, uh, like, I would say prioritization in everything that you do. So you have, you said, like, the, the prospecting part and keeping your business running of, is, of course, high prior and everything else you, you cut out and say, <laughs> you, you just pay me a lot of money if you want to have me in any meeting. Smart move, I guess. Um, and yeah. now let's... let's yeah. um, I, I hear that and I, I think, okay, if someone is listening to this, uh, you know, someone that, that has been through something in their job where they said, I, I don't want to have this. Um, I, I know that you started a new project. Um, it's called um, Escaping the Hamster Wheel. And um, if I got it right, you, you are starting to tell people in there how you, how you develop this program or your, your career, I would say, your, your solopreneurship, the coaching and everything. Um, so, First of all, tell us a, a bit about that project. What, what is what is about that? So it's a, you know it's a newsletter so far and a podcast. I don't know if I'm going to keep it as a podcast. I think the newsletter I will because I love the exercise. It's a weekly newsletter where I talk about my journey leaving my job. So it's leaving the highest paying paying sales job I've ever had, and then building what I'm building right now. So I document everything that happened in year one. Um, and then year two, year three. So there's going to be like by the year three, there's going to be, I think, 60 or 70 uh, blog posts I'm going to have written on that every Saturday. And I just like explain what I learned, share the frameworks, share the mistakes and just document my journey, basically. So just what I've done, what I've learned, how I started and, uh, and, and how I went where I am. And that's the cool thing about this is that, you know, I didn't start doing what I'm doing The way I, uh, you know, like what I'm doing right now is totally different from what I started with. You know, when I started, I was just like, hey, I can help you with any kind of sales problem. When you have this approach, people always want to work with you, but you won't be able to charge a lot of money because, you know, who are you? What are your references, your testimonials? And and pretty much, you know, like I was doing complaints, CRM implementation, uh, training, coaching, consulting. And the, the thing is, I'm good at speaking in public. I'm good at uh, delivering training online. I'm good at like organizing content and taking complex ideas and make them simple or take like ideas and make them super tactical. But that's it. So implementing a CRM, anyone can do it better than me. Uh, building a complaint, so many people can do it better than me. Consulting a company, building some slides, so many people can do it better than me. But when I started... I was doing consulting. Uh, I was doing uh, like uh, implementing CRMs, uh, documenting processes, all things I really suck at. But I was, you know, charging 80 to 100 euro an hour. So that was, uh, but that's fine. You know, I just discovered I hated doing that while I was doing it. And the good thing is, instead of paying to, let's say, I have a master's degree and an MBA in that, people paid me to do the learnings and they still got a lot of value. So that's uh, that 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 was something I learned there. When was that moment where you uh, during that journey where you said, "Okay, this is the part where I'm good at. This I'm not good at, and I don't have to do what I don't want to do. I just I just focus on something." Um, when did you realize that? 
So I really, I remember I had like, um, a contract for, well, that was one of my biggest consulting contract was 28,000 euro. Um, and I remember it was for a company, uh, in Berlin, like a fancy, you know, just like thing, whatever. And, uh, I, I remember they, they came to me with some problems and I was just scoping and I was like, this is going to be a nightmare. So I said, I'm going to charge it as high as I can. And then they're going to be like, that's way too expensive. Forget it. So I showed the offer. They were like, fine. Where do I sign? I was like, oh my God. So <laughs> they basically overpaid like <laughs> maybe six to eight times the price I would typically charge for that, but they paid. So I was okay. That's great. But when I, you know, I was spending every single day in meetings that I hated, I was okay. I'm, I just can't keep doing that. You know, I don't want to be, you know, making a lot of money, but just spend time in meetings I hate. So that's when I realized, okay, that's not something I like to do. So it's more things I realized I didn't like to do. And then I, I realized that I loved delivering like uh, speeches in front of people. So whenever I go and I do a meeting, I mean, even it's been like now over two and a half year, I didn't do one, but in front of hundred people, I just love it. People love it. So that's really what I loved. Like speaking, speak at events and um, deliver kind of entertaining experiences. And so that's the things I say, okay, I am good at, at, at that. People actually want to pay me for that. And I love doing this. So that's really the, this kind of small process. And then I also discovered that one thing I love is to have a lot of time and choose what I do with my time. Like right now, since the beginning of the year, I'm just working super hard because I want to be able to, you know, do my own stuff and be able to not work in the afternoons uh, as of like one or two months from now. So that's, that's the thing is you just keep evolving, keep learning what you like, what you don't like. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's how I got that. And when you think about someone that, um, hears this now and says, okay, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, what would you say to someone that maybe has to pay, I don't know, rent, mortgage, I, all that type of stuff. They have fixed costs and they are afraid to do this step that you took. Um, what would be one advice for them? Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first thing you need to do um, is to build an audience. It's something I didn't do at the beginning. I just went, I calculated my expenses. I was lucky to not have kids or mortgage or debts or whatever. I had my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and we were pretty stable, the both of us. So it was a huge uh, luxury for me and a privilege to be able to do it. I did it. Things have been working well. But the first thing you can do is to start building an audience. So if people are on Twitter, you go on Twitter. If you're on LinkedIn, go on LinkedIn and start writing down uh, things that are, you know, you're passionate about or that are interesting for your audience. So it can be about sales, can be about sales development, can be about anything you want. And the good thing is there's so much space around sales and sales development that you can go and write and it's not going to be like hard for you to um, get your voice out there, be heard if you stay consistent. So it's first start posting regularly, you know, just journaling and see this exercise as a journaling exercise. For me, when I started posting, I started posting about sales, like negotiation, plenty of different things all over the place. And as things grew, I found one thing I really loved, the niche. And now I just experiment tactics on LinkedIn. Video prospecting is also a thing I'm big, uh, I'm big on. And so that's the kind of things. Just go start talking about what you're thinking. And as you go, 
you'll learn how to write properly about that, how to communicate properly with that. And then you start intellectualizing about this. So if you write every day about video prospecting, you're going to become an expert because you're going to get so much more involved. You're going to read so much more and learn so much more than the rest of people that people will come to you because you're going to be like two, three or four years in, you know, in uh, you're going to have two, three years of advance on the topic. So that's really the first thing I would do. And then you'll see people will actually start asking for advice, coaching, and then you can start charging slowly with that. Just get a Stripe uh, account set up, a Gumroad account set up, and you know people can pay you money very quickly. Was there someone who who taught you all that stuff when you when you started, or was it you just figured it out on your own? So I mostly figured out uh, things on my own. I got like a few help uh, and, and a few things that I would say, for example, Justin Well, she's a very good inspiration for that. He has a very good structure. So that was very helpful for me. Uh, the way for me I work and I learn is I do stuff. And then I'm like learning as I go and doing it, making a lot of mistakes. And then I find someone in that space. And very often people validate what I've been doing. So with Justin, for example, Like his very actionable tactics are really, really useful. But so when I discovered his course, I was like, okay, that's all things I've been doing without, you know, putting a framework like he's done. So it's kind of an unconscious framework I've been doing, but this validates all my things. So, you know, I would say based on your learning style, if you're more autodidact and just learning by yourself, just go and do stuff or find people who will help you with courses and resources. But one thing is, Action is always so much better than just reading a course or doing something. Just do stuff, do mistakes. The thing is, no one cares. Like seriously, they are too busy thinking about themselves. So they just don't care about you. So that's the thing that is really reassuring is that people will not care. So just go put yourself out there. And uh, I was listening to a podcast this morning and the guy was saying, he's just publishing on internet on social network or whatever. It's just like throwing a bottle in the water, like uh, you know, a bottle at the sea. And some people, most people, and most bottles will actually not go, but some people will pick the bottle and reply. And so it's just this idea that at some point, you know, if you could post consistently, people will start giving you feedback and you'll be able to learn from that. I think that's a good um, mantra to keep. Like uh, people people don't care until they care. So just get started and, and no one will see your mistakes, right? You will learn from them, but it, it won't do you any harm. Exactly. So when there now is someone that is not an autodidact, but they, they say like, hey, you've done it. I want to learn from you. Will you offer a coaching in that direction? Like not only the part you do with Sales Lab, but also helping people um, like escaping the hamster wheel, actually. Sure. So, I mean, you know, like, I mean, exactly in this, uh, the, this phase where right now I have done it, you know, in my way. Uh, it worked well for me. And um, I'm not saying it's going to work for everyone if they do exactly the same. But I'm in this phase where I'm publishing content to intellectualize about it. So I have this long form content I'm doing every week, doing every week through the, the, the newsletter. And if people want to do, there's always a call to action at the end of it where you can book a call with me, like a one on one session of 45 minutes. And for me, you know, that's the way I do. So I write content. And then so far, I didn't book any session for that. Um, but the, the day that's going to happen, I'm going to say, okay, that's worth investing even more in there and seeing what's happening. So if people want to book me for some coaching, they can obviously do it. And, uh, you know, that's going to be very interesting for me to see what they're doing, share my, my ideas. And as you go and you do more and more coaching session, being paid to learn about the, pro the problems of people, then you start seeing the same problems and you can start building ebooks, 
solutions, online courses that you can then scale and sell for cheaper. So that's uh, that's going to be like uh, my approach there. Nice. Looking forward to that. I, I hope we will see something of that. Uh, so anyone listening, if, you, if you're if you thinking about uh, escaping the hamster wheel, please click that call to action because I want to see what, what Tibo will build after that. Uh, anyhow, so... <laughs> yeah. um, When we think about your your younger Thibaut, um, and that's that will be the final question for today. Um, if you go back in time and you, you time travel and and meet Thibaut again, what would be one advice um, for your younger self besides starting your own stuff? Uh, what age? When do I travel back? Mm, let's say to twenty two. When I was twenty two, okay. Um, Ah, that's a good question. So for me, I would, would say one thing that I keep myself, uh, so, so is, is just, you know, you tend to, uh, look at society or look at how people live through the lens of normality. So what you see is that, um, for me, it's very interesting to see how people live and go about their lives. And for me, one advice would be to just keep doing, keep thinking the way I think, keep seeing my life as just like a big playground with so many opportunities and uh, just keep doing that. You know, never really doubt that you're going to be able to do it. So um, because at this time, I didn't know what I was doing, what I wanted to do. And uh, one thing I would say is just like keep, you know, building the vision, keep having the vision and working towards that. And so I've had some crazy visions when I was 22 and they actually have materialized. So uh, that's that's really something I never thought I would say, but they have materialized. So just keep doing these things. Keep uh, thinking differently than most people do. And uh, you'll have different results than most people have. So that would be the advice I would, I would give myself. Mm, pretty, pretty good one. And seeing life as a big playground is, I think, something that everyone should do. No, no matter which career path they take, it's so much to do out there. I like it. And, you know, the thing on that is that um, the worst that can happen is you, you can die. But anyway, we will all die at some point. So for me, it's just one thing I always say to my wife is that I'm so grateful for every day because if tomorrow I die, that's going to be pretty sad, but I will die happy, you know, knowing that I've done everything I wanted to do. And there's so much more I want to do, you know, but like until this point, I feel pretty happy and I won't have that many regrets. So that's really the idea for me. And, and, Just having this philosophy is really helpful in life. So, Tivo, thanks a lot for sharing all these insights uh, for us. So, I, I think if if someone wants to get in touch with you, um, we all know where to find you. But yeah, it's your your stage now. L let us know where people can find you and and what you have going on. So, I would say just go on LinkedIn. That's where I'm hanging out the most. Just uh, maybe going to be able to put my link in the show notes. It's Tivo Suiris. So, you know, just type my name on LinkedIn. That's where I hang out the most. You can go check my website, saleslabs.io. There's a bunch of resources for you, some sequence you can download, some stuff for free. And um, yeah, that's mostly the idea. Just feel free to mention the podcast when you're reaching out. Um, so make sure I accept you. And uh, yeah, that's where you can get uh, get in touch. Cool. Yeah, I will put everything in the show notes so people can find you and, and learn what I've learned from you and, and see what comes next. So, yeah, again, thanks a lot. It was a blast. Um, I really enjoyed this. And it's it's funny to be on the other side now. So <laughs> thanks for that opportunity. Yeah, no, thanks for inviting me. And uh, great that you're doing that. You're going to be thanking yourself in uh, in a few months. Okay, cool. See you, Tivo. Bye-bye.